Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd, or while he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? And then he climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped. Truly, you are the Son of God. All right. Miracles. We're in our Imagine series uh, we're talking about miracles. This one is Peter walking on the water. How many people have heard this story before? Good, good. I don't want to call it, uh, we're calling it our imagined series because we want to um, stay away from sort of the binary idea of miracles. Did they happen? Did they not happen? Um, that poses problems, okay? When we think, oh, do miracles happen? They always happen. Well, then the big question is, why aren't they happening as often as we'd like to see right now, Right? I have a pastor friend of mine who said, um, he said he was in a prayer circle and praying for healing for this man, and then somebody prayed, um, God, we know that if we just have enough belief, our friend will be healed. And my pastor friend was like, that's a lot of pressure, right? Like, that's a lot of pressure on me. And then he had this, like, terrible picture of God, where God was, like, holding this man hostage, and God was like, this man will die if you don't believe enough. You know, that's scary, Right? And that's what happens, I think, um, when we just you know, assume that miracles are miracles and they happen all the time. But then on the other hand, like I've said, um, and my mic is doing something over here. I don't know if we can fix it or not. Y'all hear it? Yeah. Nothing? Should I take the mic off? Okay, cool. We're good. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah. And so then on the other hand, when we don't believe, uh, I think the impossible always remains impossible. And I don't... I don't like that either because the impossible doesn't always remain impossible. Sometimes I'm like, wow, the only way I can explain that is by God's fingerprints being all over it, right? And so I want to stay away from the binary. This miracle happened. This miracle did not happen. And what I would rather do is I would rather focus the same way people focused on Jesus. Because when people talked about miracles in the time of Jesus, they called them signs and wonders. How many people have heard signs and wonders before? Right? Signs and wonders was not a talking about an actual miracle. Signs and wonders was talking about how lives changed because of what they saw happen. Right? And so this isn't, did it happen, did it not happen? It's, how can we imagine our lives changing if we can imagine Peter walking on water? How can we imagine our lives changing if we can imagine Peter walking on water? And in order for us to talk about that, I want to talk to you about irrational fears. Who's got them? Yay! Me too. Uh, when I was 11, my, my irrational fear when I was 11 was this pillar that was in the second floor of my home, and it was a pillar that separated my room from my sister's room, and during the day, it was a pillar, but at night, it was a ghost. And so I would be scared to death of this pillar. I would like run to the bathroom, and then I'd run back in the middle of the night because I was afraid of this thing, and a lot of times, I didn't even make it back to my room because the pillar was there, and I would go into my sister's room and just sleep on the floor because I was so afraid. I was awful. I was like 17. It was terrible. Um, but there's an irrational fear. There's this irrational fear that people 
have. And irrational fears, the thing about them is they don't feel irrational after a while. After a while, they're fears. And after a while, they're fears that actually run you. They run us. They run our community. They're fears that can run a nation, right? Our rational fears become things that hold us back and stop us. Do we have any of those fears? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, unless you want to confess today. There's a fear that was had by Peter and the people with Peter during Peter's time. And I want to read to you some scripture. I'm going to read to you some Psalms and some Proverbs, which are poetry and wisdom stories from scripture. And this is what they say. Uh, This one comes from uh, Psalm 107. It said, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. Psalm 77, the waters saw you, God, and the waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, right? This is uh, people talking about what God's doing to water. And then in the last one, Proverbs 8, uh, it said, when God gave the sea his boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. Why would we read all this? Or why would God say all this? Well, I didn't get an accurate count, but I would say there's about 75 to 100 scriptures on God calming water or, or fixing water or stopping water. Now, why is that? That is because in the time of Jesus, in the ancient Near East cultures, people were really afraid of water. That was a legitimate fear. Okay, people thought that the earth was flat. They thought that it was held up by pillars under the, under the, you know, in the water, and that these pillars were where gods lived. And so the gods, when waves would come or storms would come, were angry, right? And when there were issues with people getting sick, well, it must have been a spirit that was in the water. In fact, we have a story, it's called Noah's Ark, and Noah's Ark is all about what happens when floods, you know, are created. And Noah's Ark, our story and our scriptures, there are 26 more Noah's Ark stories in other people's religions and other people's scriptures because people are trying to figure out what to make of water. There must be a God behind it. And that creates fear. Let me ask another question. How many people think astronauts are kind of cool? They're like heroes. I do too. Because space is unknown, right? And they're like, whoa, you're going into space. And space is unknown, and I don't even know what's out there, and that's kind of crazy. But in the time of Jesus, if you went out on the water, it was because you had no no other choice. You were not a hero. You were like, well, good luck out there in the unknown. I hope nothing gets you. Like, that was generally the way people felt about water, all right? So this irrational fear of water. Now, can we picture already having an irrational fear of water? Can we picture being out on a boat, and there's a storm, and all of a sudden you see a ghost, right? Here's the thing. The ghost wouldn't surprise you. You wouldn't be surprised to see a ghost. You'd be scared. And scripture tells us they were scared, but you wouldn't be surprised because that stuff already is in the water. You already believe all that stuff lives there. It speaks directly to your fear. That's what it speaks directly to. But what is surprising is how Jesus answers. So they're like, oh no, it's a ghost. And I always picture them doing like Scooby-Doo, a ghost. But then Jesus... Jesus says, do not be afraid, it is I, right? That's what Jesus says. And I love this because it translates into this. It translates into, do not be afraid, I am. That's what it translates into. How many people have ever heard this phrase, like, I am? How many people? I guess when it comes to religion or whatever, I am. This would have been a popular phrase, uh, an incredibly popular phrase for any observant Jew at the time. So any observant Jew, which all the disciples were, would hear this I am and immediately it would change their mind. Immediately it would change their perspective because what would happen is they would start to think about all the ways that God is called the I am. And they would think about the biggest way that God was called the I am back when a guy named Moses was around. How many people know Moses, right? So Moses, there's a bush and it's burning 
And Moses is like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And the bush is like, you need to free people. You need to free people from slavery and bring them into another place, into a promised land. And Moses is like, I don't want to do it. It's too scary. It's too hard. And finally, the bush is like, you will do it. And Moses is like, okay, well, who should I say sent me? And what does God say? God in the bush says, um, and I don't have it in front of me, but anyway, God says this. He says, tell them that the I am sent you. Tell them that the I am sent you. And so all of a sudden, this I am takes on a connotation. It takes on a connotation that literally, for the people uh, who, who were in Israel, for those people, anytime they heard the I am, the connotation was, ooh, I'm moving from a place of fear into a place of freedom. That's the kind of connotation it brought you. So the cultural connotation when you heard I am was, ooh, there's something coming that's going to free me or that's going to that's set me to a place where I'm, I'm going to get something bigger than maybe I thought I could ever get uh, so long as I overcome that fear. It, it had that cultural sort of connotation to it. So when Jesus says, don't be afraid, I am, Jesus is saying, for thousands upon thousands of years, you've had Yahweh, Right? And in, in, uh, in, that, in the Hebrew culture, Yahweh just means breath because you couldn't talk about God because God's this entity, right? And so you have breath, and breath is one of those things that, that it just happens, and, and, and yet breath is the I am, which means breath has moved you into freedom over and over and over again, and you're thankful for it. And now Jesus is here, and everything Jesus is saying, Jesus is on the I am. All of a sudden, you're like, Jesus is embodying Yahweh. I'm going to be okay. We are going to be free. What is down here in this water, yeah, it's still scary, but there's something way greater on the other side that I don't quite know about yet. So how does everybody respond? Well, there's 12 disciples. 11 of them stay in the boat. Why do 11 of them stay in the boat? Because we all would stay in the boat. <laughs> because don't be afraid I am. Don't be afraid you're going to move into freedom. Whatever. <laughs> Not me. I'm afraid. Pastor Greg Boyd, he talks about, um, talks about Christians. And there's a study he cited, and I, just, I heard this in one of his messages, so I'm just sort of regurgitating it, so I don't have the, the backing up on it. I'll find it. But he says that he, they did a study, and in this study, 80% of people who said they believed in Jesus said they would fight for their belief in Jesus. 80% of people who believed in Scripture said they would fight for their belief in Scripture. And then they were asked another set of questions. And the other set of questions were related to Jesus, but they didn't use Jesus by name. So they started saying things like, if you had the chance, would you uh, eat with someone who was a sex worker? Or if you had the chance, would you spend time and help someone who was mentally challenged? And of that 80%, three quarters said they would not. Because we love the idea. We love the idea of belief so long as we don't have to get out of a boat. So long as we don't have to move forward. And so I think that's true of all of us. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of? And what you're afraid of, what I'm afraid of, it's way easier. Way easier to hem and haw and be like, I'm... than it is to actually get out of the boat. You know what we love? We love nostalgia. We love nostalgia. I'm going to tell you why we love nostalgia. We love nostalgia because it is certain. That's why we love it. So we're afraid we don't get out of the boat, but we're like, you know what? I, I want to go back because at least going back, I knew where I stood and I knew it was going to happen. And maybe it was bad and maybe it was good, but at least I knew it and I was certain of it. And, you know, I don't think it's political for me to say, you know, MAGA, Make America Great Again, comes out of nostalgia, the idea that there was certainty, the idea that we can go back to something that we once knew. Make America great again, I'm not sure for who, but that is what, that is the point. Like, there's something to that, and I think um, we love our nostalgia. We love this idea of certainty. So Peter has a choice. 
I know certainty. Certainty tells me that there's spirits here. Certainty tells me that there's a God who might be angry. Certainty tells me that if I get sick or something, it comes from this thing. Or I can get out of the boat. Or I can do it. He gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water, and then he falls, and he gets crushed by waves, and all the rest, and then God's like, where Jesus is like, why do you doubt, right? Like, all that happens, and all that's really good stuff. I'm going to get into it in a minute. But what do we get by Peter getting out? What can we imagine changing in our lives by looking at Peter getting out of a boat and walking on water? I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. What I get out of it is that the way forward in my life, it can always be fearful. I can always have fear. I can always make decisions based on fear. But the way forward feels like listening to the I am. The way, the way forward is not fear. The way forward is pursuing freedom. The way forward is pursuing freedom that the I am has for us. And that is a nice little saying, and it's kind of a simple saying, but it's harder than it sounds, right? Um, I love people. I love, um, I love it when we get to counsel people, people who want to get married or want to take a relationship to the next level, right? And they say the same thing to me all the time, and it's the same question that I had uh, when I was moving my relationship to the next level. Uh, people always say, but how do I know that they're the one? And the answer that I always give and the answer that was given to me was, you don't. <laughs> you don't know if they're the one. They're, in fact, they're probably not the one. <laughs> That's probably true. In fact, there's probably hundreds of the ones out there for you. Like, that's, that's true. But you can sit here all day in this boat and decide, are this person the one or they're not the one? Or you can get out of the boat and start walking on the water towards maybe a freedom that you didn't know existed because the I am says there's something way better than you staying in that boat. Our first child, our first child was, when our second child was born, we were pros. But when our first child was born, we were not pros. <laughs> And I'll never forget, uh, I had to put our first child in the carrier when she was leaving the hospital. And, uh, and we put her in the carrier, and it took me a long time to do. And then I think at the same time, my wife and I just started crying. Um, because we were tired, you know, we were at the hospital. And then I think, like, I'm not even kidding, like, at the same time, we were like, what are we supposed to do with this thing? Like, because you're just, you have a kid, and then they're like, well, see you later. And you're like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know how to raise a child. This is crazy. And so I picked up the carrier, and I brought it to the car, and I got it in the car, and it took a lot of time to get in the car, and I drove away and raised my child. Because you get out of the boat. Because it's scary. Yeah, well, I messed her up completely, but it doesn't, you know. But my point is, we get out. You, you, you get out, and, and you walk. And it's a, a simple idea. And yet, when I imagine this miracle happening, what I imagine is that confronting my fear and walking into freedom is far greater if I can't confront my fear. I think about when this scripture was written. This scripture was written after the temple was destroyed. So you have to imagine a group of people who have, have literally have nothing. Temple is just filled with rubble. And they're like, how are we ever going to move forward? We don't even know which way to walk. What are we going to do? And then they get this, this book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, they see this miracle about Peter getting out of a boat. And they're like, the I am. The I am brings us into freedom. And look at Peter. He's a mess. He's falling all over the place. We're going to be a mess. We're going to fall over the place. But freedom for a group of people who literally lost everything. What about us? Think about our church as a place of deconstruction. I've said this before. This is a safe place to deconstruct our faith 
And deconstruction's scary because we have this idea around faith and around Jesus, and all of a sudden we pull out a single brick, and the whole thing comes crumbling down. And fear says two things. Fear says, I want to go back to the way it was. I want nostalgia. Send me back to that place. And then on the other side, uh, go, I just want to throw all of Christianity away because this is dumb and it doesn't make sense, right? Those are the two ways we want to go. What happens if we get out of the boat and the I am's going, I got something different. There's a freedom that I can give you in this. And I could speak honestly that, that, you know, in the past four years, I probably believe in Christianity more than I ever have before because I'm like, oh, it's not this terrible millstone around my neck. It's not this exclusive thing. It is for everybody. It is affirming. It does include all. This is good news, but the good news doesn't come until we're willing to say, all right, I get out of the boat and reconstruct. I have no idea where this is going. Um, my friend Steph was just on stage. Some of you know Steph. Who knows Steph here? Do we know Steph? So this hits me a little personally today. Steph's moving to San Francisco. Do you all know that? It stinks. If you're new here, Steph, she's moving to San Francisco. Um, Steph has been, literally been a part, of our, a part of our church since day one. Literally. A year before we even had a service, I said, if you want to um, even think about joining this church, why don't you come to this meeting? And Steph was there. And then she just became a part of our family and like jumped in and like when my wife and I want to go away, Steph stays with our kids and all the rest. And she's leaving to be the point guard of the Golden State Warriors, which is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, no, but she's going to work for the Golden State Warriors. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, and I don't want her to go because I'm comfortable and I'm certain with everything that happens around Steph. She's a friend. She's part of my family. She takes care of my kids. Ooh, allergies, huh? <laughs> Anybody else's eyes watering a little bit? And she's getting out of the boat. And I think it makes her better, and I think it makes our church better. Because the things that Steph did, we get to say, wow, I want to jump out of boats too, and I want to go find freedom because the great I am has something for us that we cannot even imagine the way forward is not fear. The way forward is freedom. It's faith. It's answering the call to get out of the boat. And so there's something going on in our lives. I don't know what it is. Reconciling a relationship, making a big decision, something that we feel like we've been walking in circles on. I don't know what it is that's going on in your life, but there's something, and you have a choice to make. What am I going to do? Live in fear or walk on water? Trust that the I am brings the same freedom that it brought for people thousands upon thousands of years ago. I know what you're thinking too. You're like, look at Peter. He fell in the water and he took his eyes off Jesus and it was a mess. It was a mess. He failed. And I love that this is in here. It's my favorite part. I'm glad he failed because there's times in my life where I'm like, I took out, I took a risk. I walked on water and it sucked. And my life is not good because of it or it's been messed up because of it or I've had pain because of it. Yeah, Peter failed. You know what, if he failed a second time, you know when else he failed? He failed when he denied Jesus, when Jesus was hanging on a cross. He failed. You know who else failed? Judas failed too, betrayed Jesus. And I look at what they do, and I look at Peter, who continually and constantly throughout his life, throughout the scriptures, gets out of the proverbial boat, time and time again, to look beyond his failure to a Christ who loves him anyway. And I look at Judas, who I can only imagine, said, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. How many people do you know named Peter? How many people do you know named Judas? Because we honor those people who are worthy, not even worthy, who are courageous enough to get out. And so today's message is a simple one. Do we stay in 
Do we continue to walk with our fears or do we get out where it's even scarier? What can you imagine when you imagine this miracle happening? What can you imagine when you imagine Peter walking on water? I can imagine getting out of a boat, taking the chance I need to take, reconciling with who I need to reconcile with, making the decision to finally get help for that one thing, whatever it might be. And then I can imagine being scared to death and failing and flailing around and then at the end of it all doing the exact same things that the disciples do, the exact same things that I think all of us do when we take this chance to get out of the boat and it's to do this. And this is what they did and this is what I believe we do when we're willing to take that risk. It says, those who are in the boat, they worshiped him saying, Truly you are the son of God. And when the miracle of the great I am comes around, I think all we can do is be thankful and flail in the water and say, truly you are the son of God. (sighs) Dear God, some of us need to be pushed. Some of us need to be challenged. Some of us need to know that you are the great I am and that it's not about fear, it's about freedom. So give us the courage. Make us just crazy enough to actually get out of the boat and walk. Praise in your name. Amen.